This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Becoming Unnumb. My guest today is Lori who identifies as a Midwesterner and a psychotherapist. I'm thinking a lot about the pandemic, the political situation, and how it seems to be affecting the people I love, the people I work with. I think this morning, I was listening to NPR and someone made a statement that kind of hit a bell with me. And they said, you know, I'm hearing a lot of talk about rights, what people's rights are, and very little talk about what our responsibilities are. My father, and he would often say, uh, your rights end at the tip of my nose kind of thing. I think nowadays people's rights in at at least six feet away from me. (laughs) I think my own responsibilities lie in developing my own compassion and my compassion for other people. I find that when I'm getting angry or rageful, that that's usually when I'm in that position of just thinking about what my rights are. I do live in Michigan and watching uh, the vitriol that's been spun around for the last nine or 10 months about the pandemic and about our governor, Whitmer, I find it very interesting as the kidnapping scheme came to light just before the election, that how like a kidnapping our country has been involved in for the last four years. I think what I'm seeing in my practice in terms of the mental health response to that is very much like working with people who are coming out of being kidnapped. Some of them feel kidnapped like they can't go back to work. They're going back to their familiar. So they feel kidnapped from their regular day-to-day. I think we're in for a huge increase that we're just now seeing a tip of the iceberg of uh, called uh, post-pandemic stress disorder where people, again, coming out of being kidnapped or being mesmerized by all of the drama and trauma that's been in front of us for the last four years, and then being, we're going to limit your resources on dealing with this by throwing on this pandemic and you've got to lock down and you've got to wear masks or, or you don't got to lock down, you don't got to wear masks, it's all a hoax, you know, has been very confusing, almost whiplash-like on an emotional level for a lot of the people that I'm seeing. I am seeing a a large increase in anxiety and depression disorders. I think they've been lingering under the surface prior to the pandemic. And then at the time that we really got word that this is serious, last March, April, I saw 
a great increase in the anxiety and the depression. I don't tend to be a very directive therapist. I don't assume to know what that person's journey needs to be. I joke with my patients, if you're looking for someone who will tell you what to do or give you a worksheet to work on, I'm not your gal <laughs> because I, I believe in the divine spark that is within each individual. And so they become the expert in the therapeutic relationship. And it becomes my job to hold a space large enough for them to explore all the avenues and all of the resources that they have and to work it through themselves. I would really like for people to start looking at the inner wisdom that they have that's already there. Maybe they need to go back to when they felt as free as a young child. I I don't know. Maybe they need to find that that part of them when they were empowered teenager where they felt like they could do anything. Maybe they need to look at their, their life right now and where is the power in your life right now? All of those are legitimate ways to find your own divinity, your own divine power within yourself. Some people turn to a spiritual practice. Some people turn to a physical practice, exercise, something like that, that they can feel empowered with. And, and I think in this time, it's going to be very important for people to find that power within them and to use other people like a therapist or a good friend to bounce some of those ideas off of. But I do believe, I truly believe that each person, no matter what their political views are, has that wisdom. My job in therapy, again, is to hold that space so that wisdom can become conscious. I love bumper stickers. <laughs> Whenever I get a bumper sticker, it's like, oh, where can I put this on the back of my car? You know, so even I have this tendency to feel like I have to make my opinion known <laughs> when I'm driving my car around, um, that this is where I stand on these issues. And I believe that right now, especially with the, the aftermath of what's going on with this election, that I think people are even more so wanting their opinions to be known so that they feel validated. Even though their candidate may not have won, they still need to feel validated that how they voted or how they, quote unquote, did the election was valid, was okay. Again, I think it goes back to the teachings that things are either good or bad, black or white. And what we're moving into, I believe, is a new era of being. Kind of like when we went from the agricultural era into the industrial era, there was that 40, 50-year period of time where people were kicking and screaming and gnashing of teeth until they you know, fell into this new pattern of industrialization. I think now we're moving from industrialization into the 
communication era, the web integrative intuitive era. And I think we're in that time period of people kicking and screaming and no, it's got to be this or that. But the big difference between the two eras is that one fits into that dualistic, it's either this or that. And the new era is it's this and that. It's not either or, it's and all. And one of the things that I, I see the last four years cultivating is that old dualistic, it's this or that. And it's set up uh, what's referred to as the great divide. And I think what it's giving us the ability to do if we choose to do it, especially as a country, is that to bridge that divide, not only with a one path, but with a multitude of web-like tentacles into each other. We have to begin to really see each other. We have to begin to really hear each other. There was an incident that happened to me one morning. I was going through a drive through pick up some breakfast before I hit the road. And of course, I have my bumper stickers on the back of my car. And there was an older gentleman behind me in his uh, pickup truck. And I could see in my rearview mirror, he was pretty animated. At first, I thought he was singing to some music or whatever. But um, it became kind of clear that he was uh, not liking to have to be behind me and see these bumper stickers. And so I just initially thought, well, you know, sorry about that, paid for my breakfast, pulled up and stopped at the road to be able to turn on to the, uh, the highway there. He pulled up behind me and started honking his horn. And I thought, my goodness, do I know this guy? <laughs> do I, maybe, maybe he knows me and maybe I should wave, you know, whatever. But that point I pulled out and we came up to a stoplight soon after that and he pulled up next to me and it was really obvious that this guy was really ticked off at me and he didn't like my bumper stickers and I don't recall exactly what he was saying but he was very angry and I just looked at him and said hi how are you doing good to see you very genuinely and it startled him because I think he thought that I knew him and he drove off very quickly. And I remember kind of thinking about why, why was that <laughs> it wasn't what I would have thought would be my initial response to something like that. But there was something in him that triggered me to reach out and, and try to connect with him on some level. And it stopped for that moment, his anger and rage that was being directed at me. And so I think to fix this divide, we really need to start listening to and hearing what people who we deem as our opposites are really saying, because I think what they're really expressing is a deep, deep fear. And when you put it in the context of a competition like an election, you have winners and you have losers. And one of the biggest fears I think human beings have is the fear of being humiliated 
the fear of being wrong. And so instead of expressing, gee, I feel humiliated, they express it as anger and rage and that it, things didn't come out because it was fraudulent or it was rigged. Instead of dealing with that fear that we all have of being humiliated. So if we can really start to see and hear and maybe even start with believing that each soul has a divine spark within it that deserves to be heard and seen, then maybe that can begin to make some, some inroads. You can have compassion for someone and disagree with them. It's when we fall back into that dualistic thinking that they're wrong and we're right, that we tend to then set those walls and set those parameters uh, to keep them out. One of the things I'm noticing a lot with the things that are being said, the constant bombardment with the news cycle and, and the outrageous things that are being said that we just don't pay attention to anymore. It's kind of like watching the numbers for COVID go higher and higher and higher. And we just, wow, you know, we don't, we don't react to it anymore. And I was trying to think of how is it that we do unnumb ourselves. But then I was reminded of in a trauma situation, we usually do one of three things. We either fight it, we flee from it, or we freeze. And a majority of the time in a traumatic event, there is an element of freeze before anything else. That, that process of freezing in some ways can be, not all the time, but in, it sometimes is like a disconnecting from our own bodies, like a dissociation, like this can't be real. And so we, when we disconnect from our bodies, we also tend to disconnect from each other. When we're in a frozen position or a, I can't believe this, or I can't hear this anymore, that disconnects us from each other. And when we disconnect from each other, that's when we start struggling and suffering. Sometimes we feel our pain, our fear is more comfortable to hide with because we know it. It's something that we know. The numbers are going up. We know this. It is painful, but we know this. We're comfortable. The outrageous statements that are coming out of the White House, that are coming out of people like Michael Flynn or Kellyanne Conway, some of the things she said, I remember in the moment thinking, did she just say that? Early on in the administration, in the I think it was the day after inauguration, she was talking to the news media and talking about, well, you know, facts, facts aren't always facts, but there are alternative facts. And I remember standing in the living room and thinking, alternative facts is what I learned is lying, is not truth. And so she was setting the groundwork for us becoming comfortable with or normalizing alternative facts. So when 
people were saying even more outrageous things like we should have a coup. We should not believe in this election. I think people just turned off. This is a quote unquote alternative fact, which has been normalized over the last four years. So I think a pathway to becoming unnumb is to experience the power and become empowered by what is going on in our systems, in our bodies. We'll start there and then we'll pull it out into what's going on immediately around us and from there. It involves us using our experience within ourselves with our own pain and fear and begin acting with compassion, forgiveness, hope, and finally grace towards all that is going on around us. This does not mean that we're all supposed to quote unquote be nice all of the time. No, no, no. Being compassionate and hopeful oftentimes means speaking truth to power or that power figure that is internal, let's say a false belief about something, or external being the disorder and destruction of our culture, our country, as symbolized by democracy, whatever. So I think part of the first steps is that, yes, we do have to go internal. We have to feel it in our bodies to be able to recognize it in our environment, in our connections with others. And the more we disconnect from how it's settling in our tissue, settling in our cells, the less we're going to be able to see it out around us. And I don't think it's something that, oh, you have to go internal first and fix yourself first before you can fix what's outside. No, no, no. This has to be done at the same time. This is not a do this, then this. It's do this and that. So oftentimes, I don't tell people we're going to get over something or let go of something or or get around something. No, we're going to be with something. And in that being with something, it will transform. I've often thought through the last four years, shoot, I just want to move. I just want to leave the country. I'll find, <laughs> I'll find another place to live, another country. It's got to be better. But this is where I was put. And everything else in my life to maintain what it is that I want to do and who I am is here. So I'm going to have to be here as uncomfortable as it may get. <laughs> I use the metaphor of gardening a lot. The seed has to sometimes sit in compost for months before it starts to transform. So it starts taking in things and getting rid of things as it needs to while it's sitting in basically compost or, or shit, actually. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes sitting in shit is how we can start to discover things about who we are and, and what's next for us. I am a true believer that our democracy is in the midst of evolving. And I don't think the democracy, as was seen 250 years ago, is, has ever been the same as it's been as it was back then. 
And I guess if there's any hope, I do believe that we're always going to be moving forward, but it's not always going to look like what we expected. I don't think anyone at the time of the Revolutionary War could have imagined the oncoming of the industrial era. And I think that when we were in the midst of the industrial era, nobody could have sensed the oncoming of the where we are now with the computers and the internet and mass communication. I just think that we're always evolving and we can never go backwards. Remember, it's order, disorder, then reorder. It's not order, disorder, order, disorder. It's a reorder. It's a transformational process. I do have hope that it's going to look really different. <laughs> I do have hope that democracy is not going to be what we thought it was when I was a little girl. I don't think we want the democracy we had even a hundred years ago. If you think about all of the oppression that was going on of women, of uh, people of color, we don't want that democracy. So yeah, I have hope that we're evolving. I just don't know what that's going to look like. Thank you for listening. Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with original music by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com and can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Thank you.